0: To another episode of The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Perry.
1: And I'm your host, David. Tonight we're talking about Season 3, Episode 23, Family Business. Before we continue, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube as The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast.
0: Absolutely. And as I say every single week, you should find us and follow us because we are awesome, we are great. We are a good time. I promise to keep everything as light and sci-fi friendly as possible. Um, I will admit that this week I did deviate slightly because all this stuff about um you know shooting down various you know spy balloons and UFOs <laughs> and whatever else we're calling it just it i it piqued my curiosity at, so I was, I was kind of into it a little bit. And um, David, I don't know if you know, but uh, Canada just shot down one uh, oh. today. Well, I in the heard. News.
1: I heard we shot down one like with like over Alaska or something today. Yes. Or yesterday. But is that the same thing or a different thing? Mm,
0: it's a different one. Okay. So, um, and this this one happened fairly recently, like right before we started tonight. I uh, oh, I saw the I saw the news. <laughs> candidate was scrambling um i just think it's i think it's interesting that it's happening but part of me also think it's kind of funny because what if it just turns out to be like a couple of jerks buying you know weather balloons off amazon or something and sending things up into commercial airspace and right. that's why it's causing them to panic like could this be some kind of china spy russia spy thing i mean i guess it's possible i don't know but to me people are just enough of jerks that this sounds to me like somebody's elaborate prank as well you know like one of them might have been legitimate but then the other ones I feel like someone was like you know what that's a great idea and then we've got we've got all these things so that's that was what I was talking about when I mentioned it but other than that I I promise I stick to sci-fi things okay so but that's it I just had to get that out there just in case you know but yeah um if if it turns out to be some kind of elaborate joke hoax, whatever, and someone finds it out, please let me know, because um, I just, I don't know, it it would make me laugh a little <laughs> bit more. <clears throat> now before we get um, to, into what we've got to do tonight, uh, of course, there's another thing I want to talk about, and that is, of course, the premiere of Star Trek Picard, which by the time you actually uh, hear this episode on the podcast, the new season will have uh, begun. Okay, so the first episode actually will have been out because the new episode premieres on February 16th here in the States, and I am so excited. I I can't wait to see everybody, uh, especially Worf. I want to see him back, but also, if you've seen any of the promo pics for the show, um, they have done a severe overhaul of uniforms and dress and everything else in the new Trek, and... I'm loving the leather aspect of the uniforms that oh, we're seeing. The The leather jackets with, uh, you know, they've got the traditional colors from the uniforms and stuff, but it's all leather, <laughs> you know, and um, they've got like the little uh, uh, department trim on some of them and everything else. Right. I love the look. I don't know why it never dawned on me these outfits will look great in leather, but they do. And you know what? People have been online posting their pictures of their own, like, created leather variations and stuff. And and some of them look awesome. The only one I haven't seen, of course, would be what I feel like in my mind, if done properly, would be the DS9 uniform, which... um, David, unfortunately, this is a mild spoiler. All I'm going to say is you haven't seen it yet. You have not seen the the DS9 uniform that I like. Okay. You haven't seen it yet. Okay. Um, it's coming. But <laughs> it's coming. And All for right. those of you who know what I'm talking about, imagine that in leather. <laughs> I think it, I think it would be fantastic. So. If someone out there is creative enough that they come up with it, or know someone who's done it and has pictures or whatever, I would love to see it. So um, yeah, send it my way because I think it would just be awesome. But uh, other than that, again, Star Trek Picard, um, February sixteenth, the first episode of the third and final season will drop, and we will all just have to be amazed together. So um, I'll try my best because I know I'm gonna watch it, but I'll try my best not to like hog all of our Time when we do our show <laughs> to talk about that, but I feel like this. I feel like this season is really just going to be phenomenal. It seems, it seems like they've put a lot of uh, effort, a lot of attention to detail. There's a lot about the story and the characters and everything else. They've put a lot of focus on this, and I don't know if they're doing it because this is supposed to be the true send off of the Next Generation crew. Like they always kept saying that with something that they felt like the Next Generation crew never got. A true, so this is supposed to yeah. be it—a true signing off for them. And uh, I'm I'm really interested to see how they do that. And and if you've watched Picard at all, you know that throughout each of the seasons so far, they have wrapped up some aspect that was a major focal point of of the Next Generation. Right? Uh, we see a wrap up of uh, the Borg, uh, Q. Uh, certain characters, I'm not going to spoil it again because I don't think David has watched it, so I don't want to go into any more, <laughs> in case he decides he's going to watch it, you know. But like, e- along the way, we've gotten wrap-ups of like major and you know, major and minor whatever people who you might have at one point or wondering like, oh, I wonder what happened to you or whatever. Some of that has been taken care of. right? And so now we have our core group getting their send-off and I just really hope that it's as good as what they've been saying because, I mean, these guys I mean, the stories deserve it. And for a lifelong fan like myself and having certain expectations for characters after all these years, I just want to see it. And I want to see them given the justice. I feel like they deserve like Worf in particular. I think that's why I'm so excited to see him. I've always felt like that character didn't get the justice that he deserved. And I yeah. really hope they do something here. Okay. And then of course resolution of the Picard Beverly scenario, if that doesn't happen, I we might have to bring them back for another season. This this is ridiculous. 30-some-odd years this has been going on. Yeah. We need conclusions.
1: Yeah, you can't do so, a send-off without answering that question. Exactly.
0: Exactly. You cannot. So I, I need to see it. So, um, but yeah, uh, come back. Listen to us that week. We're gonna. I'm sure I'll talk about it. Maybe David will finally start watching it because he just watched TNG himself. So, uh, you know, you might have some curiosity as to how things go for our. I I figured I
1: would need to watch um, the rest of the TNG movies and watch Voyager because Seven of Nine and the Borg and all that.
0: I mean, she's she's yeah. It's she's in it and she is important to it, but I don't think her overall backstory is important to it now that may change in season three of Picard like there may be more of her and, and you know where how she got from Voyager here that may be a bit more in there but um while they kind of tell you a little bit of that in the first season like what she's sort of kind of been up to they don't go into a whole lot of detail so it's not like you really need to know all of that to enjoy the show. That's kind of how they framed everybody in that first season. You didn't need to know 100% where everybody was and what everything was doing in the first season to kind of follow along. But now in this one, I feel like the most important thing that you need to enjoy season three is one, having watched the other two seasons of Picard, but most importantly, you needed to have watched Next Generation. If you never watched it, or if you didn't watch all of it, I don't think you're going to enjoy it. So, yeah. But you've done that, so I think you're good.
1: Okay. I think I'll still wait okay. at least until we're done with Deep Space Nine and come back to oh, it. Oh, that's fine. Yeah.
0: That, that's perfectly fine. That gives us more to talk about because, I mean, <laughs> eventually, yeah, we will be done with this show. Uh, <laughs> and then we'll have to do something else. Oh, so. boy.
1: Don't, not looking forward to that, right? <laughs> we're we're approaching um, the halfway point. Once we get halfway through Season 4, we'll be halfway through. So now that Season 3 is almost done, whew.
0: I know. But I mean, it feels like it's going so fast because it's just like – Again, we're already at the end of season three, and uh, the show really does pick up pace from here, and um, I I know that I tend to get really excited about certain episodes, and um, I could feel, I could see moments where we're like, you know what, we're going to watch, we're going to talk about this one and that one, or try to, I'm going to try to push you anyway to be like, do these two, because let's Together? do both, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, man, yeah, wanna you want to drag it
1: out and make sure we get as much out of it? Uh, Suck you the know, juice out of the show,
0: you know. <laughs> I, I would hate to do that to uh, both us and other people. Especially, you know, when the people know certain things are coming. You know, like give people what they want. Don't don't tease them and torture them. So, okay. um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens when we get there. Again, season four kicks off really strong. I cannot wait for that. So um, there we are with that, and then um, yeah, we'll just keep going. But um before we get into all that, of course, I have to ask, how was your week?
1: It's good. Um have I mentioned that I've been watching the show Counterpart right, with J.K. Simmons? Have I mentioned that yet?
0: I don't know if you did or not. I, don't I think, think I feel did. like I we'll remember J.K. Simmons.
1: Yeah, uh it's a show that my parents watched. They really liked it, and they suggested I watch it. And I hadn't watched it until about a week ago or so. Uh the premise is is that um In Berlin, during the Cold War, at the end of the Cold War, um, there was some sort of event that happened that caused a splitting of realities. There are these two realities, Alpha and Prime, where in one world, things are different than our world, basically. And uh, J.K. Simmons meets his other. J.K. Simmons' other comes to our world and starts— Maybe you— Maybe you've heard maybe of it. You
0: did tell me. I was gonna say because this sounds really familiar. So maybe either I've heard of it or you told me because I don't yeah. think I've seen
1: this. Yeah, but the idea is is that this other version of him is is like a spy master, but like the one we know from our world is like a mild mannered guy who just works at like this weird office building. I mean, it, he works for this organization that's in charge of like keeping everything secret about this parallel universe situation. But mm-hmm. in our world, he's just a lowly peon. While in the other universe, he's like a spy master type. And the spy master type comes over and is like, "I got information that we need to like figure out because there's a conspiracy happening." Um, and it goes from there. And the acting is amazing. Um, the actors who are in both places are usually really good about making sure their characters are different. But J.K. Simmons in particular is amazing. You can tell just by which 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 character the camera is pointed at because it's the same actor. Uh, just by the way he holds himself. And his facial expression. You can just tell who is who because they're very different. The whole idea is that, you know, 30 years ago, these guys, you know, they're, they were the same person, but now they've split. Um, and so they have a lot of the same history. But, yeah, anyway, really well done. I'm in season two right now. apparently only had two seasons. Stars canceled it because they wanted more female-friendly content, and it was too male-centric. It's like, if you had J.K. Simmons in a successful show, yeah, keep J.K. Simmons in a successful show. I mean... I don't know. Maybe it got too complicated because it is a complicated show trying to keep track of all the details. But anyway, that's what I've been watching. That's been fun. And then, uh, yeah, that's, I guess, really the only thing to update with. So. <laughs> OK. Yeah.
0: Well, I was, um, was going to tell you earlier, I was a little bit late getting here because I got stuck in this weird Jackie Chan um, theme today. And I, I ended up watching like a bunch of Jackie Chan stuff. Yeah, like it started. It started with I introduced my daughter to his. He had a cartoon. Yes, Jackie, Jackie Chan, Chan Adventures. Adventures.
1: Oh yes, so, I remember yeah, those.
0: Yeah, we we found a couple of episodes, and I was just cracking up <laughs> watching him. So then I ended up. She of course lost interest me imme- almost immediately. Really? And then here I was, like, well, she watched like maybe three episodes with me, and but then I watched like six more after she lost interest. So then I was just like, okay. And then I started looking up Jackie Chan stuff, and I ended up watching Rumble in the Bronx um there was this movie with uh i did not watch rush hour uh super cop and then there was a movie with uh johnny knoxville it's called uh passport something a drop pass or something it was it was a odd movie in which they end up getting um they're like lost in the in the wilderness of china Okay. And they're trying to make their way from wilderness to civilization, and they're coming across all these different like groups of people, and uh, I think they're being chased by the Chinese mob or something like that. And <laughs> I mean, it was, it was kind of confusing to figure out why they were even chasing them in the first place. But it was it was very like it, it was hilarious for one thing, like surprisingly so. Like I know Johnny Knoxville is, um, I guess if we had to call him anything, I would call him a comedian. I don't know what you would really. Say, but yeah, I mean, but he was funny. Jackie Chan was funny. Um, There's a whole scene where they get drunk on Yak's Milk and then start singing Adele songs. It's fantastic. Um, But yeah, you should should watch it. Uh, Just Google Jackie Chan, Johnny Knoxville. I'm sure it will be the first thing that comes up because. Where did you watch it? Hulu
1: or Netflix or?
0: On Amazon, actually. I watched it on Amazon. All right, all right. And then um, the last movie that I watched, which was really surprising and really good, in my opinion, was a uh, Jackie Chan movie called The Foreigner. So in this movie, it's um, I think it came out just a couple of years ago, but it's got Jackie Chan. It also has Pierce Brosnan in it. And um, Jackie Chan plays a uh, elderly Chinese man whose daughter is killed uh, in an IRA bombing. And so then he basically goes on the hunt for the guys that, you know, laid the bomb. Right. And um, uh, Pierce Brosnan's character, he's the deputy prime minister or something like that over Ireland. And he's got IRA ties. And so Jackie Chan basically, he figures out, Jackie Chan's character figures out that that Pierce Brosnan's character knows either who the people are or knows enough of the stuff that's going on that he should know who the people are. And so basically he's trying to blackmail him into giving him the names. And it turns out that, um, again, Jackie's character was like former, uh, special forces. He's got all this military training from way back in the day. And he just kind of, he's like a one man assault team. And he just, you know, decimates, uh, Uh, Pierce Brosnan's forces to get this information and uncover the truth behind the bombing and everything like that. I thought it was great. Like, uh, if you're expecting all that kind of, I guess, the kung fu action or whatever that you typically get out of a uh, Jackie Chan movie, it's not there. Like, not really. It's not done in the same way, which makes sense, because he's playing a significantly older character in right. the movie. But uh, everything else he does, I mean, it's great. I thought I thought that his he was creepy when he needed to be. He was ruthless when he needed to be. Um, I love the kind of intrigue and espionage that was going on. And I also love just seeing, you know, different areas of the world. Like, it wasn't based in... You know, LA or New York or whatever. They were in Belfast and then they were in Rome and then they were in, you know, uh, England and London and whatever, you know, like all this stuff. So I, I really just enjoyed it. Again, it was on Amazon. So if you're interested at all, I would say watch it. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Um, but that was, yeah. And then there were some other stuff that I did this week, but we're, you know, kind of. Eating up a lot of time here. Um, and I don't want to keep doing that every time. Uh, last thing I'll say, I did finally change over to a different gym so that I can do more hardcore lifts and workouts. I think I might have mentioned that last week, but, um, you know, officially getting that started uh, this week. I did the trial. The gym was great. I love the layout. I love the whole, you know, you're responsible for yourself. Um,
1: mentality.
0: A- attitude of the gym right and it's just there's more stuff that's made for people my size yeah. so i can get in there and not feel like i'm going to break something or hurt someone while doing you know my my workout routine so right. i'm really looking forward to getting into that more Good. um but that's it that's all i'm going to say about everything that is not star trek deep space nine and this episode so Without further ado, we will now turn our attention to the reason that you all are listening to us. So, David, would you like to do the recap or do you want
1: me to do it? I did it last week, but I'm happy to do it again. It's up to you. Up to you. I don't care. (laughs) I can do it. You can do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. All right. Okay. Go for it. So this episode, guys, is called Family Business and focuses on Quark mainly. We have two plot lines, so we'll do the Quark one first. Uh, So... Quark and uh, his brother, Rom, are very happy that the the bar is going very well, and suddenly a uh, Ferengi from the Ferengi Commerce Authority, or the FCA, shows up and uh, demands to talk to Quark. He eventually reveals to Quark and Rom that it turns out they are being held responsible for a family member's acting outside of the code of the, the Frankie. And it turns out it's their mother. Their mother has done the unthinkable. She has made a profit. And the consequence for this is that she has to confess within three days at Cork's uh, pressure, uh, or or she will go into indentured servitude, and Cork will be responsible for paying back any profit that she made to whoever. So, Cork is immediately forced to close the bar and run back to the, fr- to the Frangie homeworld with Rom in tow. Rom demands to go along to confront his mother and demand that she reveal what it is she's been doing and get back in line with the Frankie culture. Uh, one of the things that they find out when they get back there is that she's putting on clothes. How dare she? She's supposed to walk around naked, but she's wearing clothes. And she will refuse to sign this uh, confession because... Uh, it turns out that she doesn't want to, you know, give up the idea that she as a woman could make money. She is empowered by the idea that she is successful at business and making a profit. And so it would be, uh, she'd rather go into indentured servitude than have to give up uh, the idea of her being a successful profit profiting f- Ferengi. Um, long story short is that basically... Uh, Quark realizes that she's actually got more business than uh, initially realized. He finds that she has been doing all kinds of transactions and is making lots of money. And uh, so he's going to turn her in because she refuses to sign. And he thinks that maybe he can bribe his way to uh, getting out of it because that's basically how Frankie culture works. You just bribe everybody to get everything you want. And so, um, but uh, Rom, who loves his mother and loves Quark, uh, gets them together, gets Quark and his their mother together, uh, whose name is Ishka, by the way, uh, and uh, initially says that she had promised to give him half of all her profits, but that was a lie. Uh, turns out that she did no such thing. But she does talk to Quark and talks about how their father was not good at business. That was not his, uh, str- his strong point. He was a family man. Rob is more like... Uh, their father, and he does not have a talent for quote-unquote business, but has other values, including being a good family man, um, but that she is the one who passed on the business sense to Cork. Uh, she was very proud when Cork memorized all the rules of acquisition. Uh, he was proud of that. He's the business one. So she is act- he is actually more like her than the other way around. So even though Cork was willing to sell her out just to get her Uh, out of his life and get out from under this penalty that he'd be responsible for because somehow her business sense and her profit is actually his responsibility, yada, yada, yada. Uh, Instead, they reconcile. She signs the confession and gives up uh, what turns out to only be a third of her empire. She uh, says, uh, I should have hidden the money better, so it's my fault that I didn't hide it. (laughs) But she still has, apparently, uh, a lot of other assets still out there. The, um, second plot is, uh, Cisco is being, uh, has been encouraged since last episode. You might remember that Jake had been saying that I know a freighter captain who I think would be a good match for Cisco. And, uh, we once again have Jake saying that, and it turns out Jake has been talking to pretty much everyone on the station about how great this woman is, the entire crew basically knows that uh, that Jake has been pushing for them to go out on a date. And um, so eventually he does meet up with her. Uh, She's very capable. She's, you know, in charge of her own freighter. And she's a very capable woman. And uh, when they go to have coffee, it's a little bit awkward at first, but she reveals that um, she has a brother who's into, of all things, baseball. And so Cisco is immediately taken, immediately invested, and uh, they start talking baseball and uh, her brother is about to send over a, uh, a, a a recording uh i guess a verbal recording of a baseball game from his planet mm. on the other side of the federation and so jake looks on with a giant smile as the episode ends so yeah that's the episode of this or that's the re- recap of family business which apparently was uh directed by renee Abergenois.
0: So, yes, it was. Yeah. Yes, it was. The late, great Rene got himself into the director's chair.
1: of a, On a Frege <laughs> episode, of all things. <laughs> uh, of all fakes, right?
0: <laughs> now, of course, you know, they would just hitting the highlights there for us. And if you want to, you can always go and watch the episode and then come back and listen to us. Unless, of course, you're watching this live, then you will just have to do it afterwards. Um, but we're going to talk about it anyway. So if you do leave, come back. See if you agree with us. And um, if you don't agree, let us know. Heck, if you do agree, let us know. Either yeah. way, we're, we're fine with that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, first impressions of this episode. What did you think?
1: Well, you had mentioned that we will eventually go to the Ferengi homeworld and see women and how that culture works. And uh, so it was a, mm-hmm. a blast to come here. Um, we hadn't had a Cork episode in a while as you, as I was thinking yeah. about it, Cork has been relegated to the back seat for a, actually a little while now, um, more of a side character than anything else for a bit. So it was good to see him take the front stage because again, um, you know, Cork as a character is fantastic. And, uh, what's his mm-hmm. face? Uh, Armin Shimmerman is amazing. So, um, yeah, the, I, I'm going to go ahead and just say it now, there's that scene where Rom comes in. And uh, every time they look at her, they're always embarrassed that she's wearing clothes, which is, again, the exact opposite of our culture. So she says to him, would you rather I take my clothes off? And he's like, a little. And so she takes her clothes off, and then the camera zooms in on her face, and then, like, he puts his head in her lap, and it's... (laughs) I mean... The, a whole Awkward, idea to say the least. yes the whole idea is that it's supposed to be like an exact inversion of our culture it's supposed to be the, a misogynist culture to the extreme like not only are the only men allowed to do business which is actually historically something that you might say is actually true to you know history you know women weren't allowed to do certain jobs but they aren't allowed to make any money at all And then on top of that, they can't even wear clothes in their own home. Like, they walk around naked in front of their own children, for crying out loud. Um, To the point where talking to another person, you know, talking to strangers is something that, you know, Rom and Cork got made fun of for. Their mother talks to strangers. And their mother wears clothes. Um, So, yeah, it's... (laughs) You get all of that pretty upfront in this episode. And if we remember that that season two episode where that one Ferengi woman was pretending to be a male... We can understand that the women in this culture are highly oppressed and do desire to break free of the more misogynistic elements of their culture. Um, and the only reason that she agrees to do so in this episode is because she wasn't fully found out. Uh, I was a little disappointed that she gave in. I thought it would be interesting to see her stand up and, you know, the, the ramifications of her deciding to, you know, buck the system completely. But um, you know, the episodes usually have to resolve within forty minutes, so it makes sense that ultimately she gives in, at least to make the episode wrap up. But uh yeah. <laughs> Interesting culture that <them> Frankie's got. <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: yeah, to say the least. Um you're right. I mean like she wasn't she wasn't totally found out, so of course um this kind of made her a little bit um, more willing to sign the, you know, the confession. I mean, Rom had a a big, you know,
1: Handed to do that. with that.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, he pushing her in the right direction, pointing out the fact that you know if if uh, Quark can find you out, then so can the FCA. Right. So, um, I, for me, I never really enjoyed the Ferengi. Now, <laughs> uh, Quark. Quark changed my mind on the Ferengi uh, as we got to know him and and everything else, but initially, anytime I ever saw that it was a Ferengi episode, I was hard-pressed and had to dig deep into my fandom (laughs) in order to get to a point where I could could watch it, you know, but... um, Quark really turns it around and then this is not the typical Ferengi episode. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times when we see or deal with the Ferengi, they're, you know, always worried about, you know, profit and obviously uh women. They're a very money hungry and highly, you know, I guess hypersexualized uh race culture. At least what we had seen of them so far. You know, anytime a woman is involved they're trying to schmooze her and and, and have her. Right, right? Um, no, not seeing any real value in her beyond the pleasure she could potentially give. So right. to see an episode that we're dealing with, you know, such a um, intimate family setting with Quark and his brother and his mom uh-huh. was very different, and um, it gave us a lot in the way of you know, again, learning about uh, family dynamics and culture and even what the Ferengi homeworld looks like. It's the first time that we've seen it. It's a dank rainy place Mm -hmm. and apparently everything is made to make you bow or to get money from you. Yes. Uh, When, when Quark goes to report Ishka to the FCA, he refuses to take the elevator because it's going to cost him seven strips of Latin. So he takes the 40 flights of apparently extremely steep stairs. Right. And then once you get there, you can sit for three strips of (laughs) Latin. You can stand for, for one. one. Yes. Or you can bargain so,
1: like, down to two to sit. <laughs> right.
0: So there's nothing that you can do in this room that doesn't cost you money. Heck, we even see the entering the homes yeah. cost you money. As oh, soon as the, that, they walked in. Sense. Yeah, as soon as they walked in, Brunt had to pay and they have a whole little ritual around uh visitors coming to their house and you oh, have to I sign.
1: That. Yeah.
0: yeah. And apparently you have to sign some kind of uh liability uh, contractor <laughs> agreement, you know, before you can set foot further into the home, um, you know, so everything that they do, they are very, uh, not just, I guess, money hungry, but also a litigious society. They're yes. making sure that they're covered a hundred percent on yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, and when, and when the liquidator Brunt comes into the bar, he's telling them that, Oh, you're going to be, you know, there's, you have to answer to the FCA, but doesn't tell them why. Until they pay for it. Yes. And he makes them pay every step of the way for yes. everything that they do. Right. And I mean, it's just like, good Lord. Could you imagine if our culture was like that? I mean, we already feel like we get, you know, nickel and dimed on a lot of different things <laughs> as it is, but could you imagine like if the police came to your house and said they had a warrant for your arrest or whatever, but before they could show you the warrant, you had to pay them like $20. That'd
1: be a very easy way for the police to just go make some money real fast. Hey, knock, knock. Yeah, <laughs> Right.
0: There their charges have been filed against you. Oh, yeah uh show me proof okay 10 bucks
1: <laughs> you know
0: 20 bucks
1: oh so, what do you know if you the, don't, fly, if you... the paperwork is out of order we didn't actually have right. money today <laughs> and, if, and if
0: you don't have the money they can just arrest you and you just have to take it on their word that there's that there's charges or not yeah. so Gosh. man it was that would be terrible <laughs> <It> would be... <laughs> man Ugh. Now, of course, we get into the the heart of the issue here being Ishka earning profit. And she says that she took a small amount of the stipend that Quark has been sending her to live, and she invested that in uh, a company. And that company ended up turning a profit, which she got a payout on, and there she is. She's now earned um, profit. And this is um, illegal. It's not just frowned upon. It's illegal. As Quark points out many, many times, it's against the law. For women to earn profit. And as we find out through Ishka and her dealings, it seems to be against just the law and society for women to do pretty much anything. Right. She's an older woman whose husband has died and her children are gone. Right. She is basically relegated to staying in her home, where even in her own home, she's supposed to be naked. Yeah. And uh, you know, we see Brunt freaking out when he comes into her house, and she's clothed and talking to him. Yeah. The man just about had a fit when he re- he was like, "Is she is she talking to me?" <laughs> like he he couldn't take it. So yeah. I mean, it's just um, a lot of extreme misogyny here in the Ferengi culture. Yeah. And you know, Rom, while he un- it seems like he's okay with it. He also seems to be more like um, he he'll he'll let Ishka do whatever she wants because that's his mother, right? You know what do they call and her? Then, I forgot to mention that. Moogie. Um,
1: Moogie. That's it.
0: Yeah, Moogie. <laughs> yeah. God, it was awful. Yeah, so.
1: especially when he is when Rob's leaving, <laughs> she's like, "Don't cry, you're gonna make me cry." But He goes he's like man this is so awful he is a stunted man child he's still talking like that oh my gosh
0: (laughs) they do such a great job with it i mean he he is just so very much his mother's child and and (laughs) loves her and, and and i guess that's fine you know we're not gonna you know say you know it's not or whatever but then it's interesting to watch the family dynamic between Quark and Rom. And, you know, when they walk into the house, Rom is overcome with nostalgia and love for the place. And, oh, look, here's my baby tooth sharpener. And, oh, mother has bought some new things and everything looks so nice and it's so wonderful to be back here and all this. That's how he's responding. Cork is like... I got to do this so I can get out of here. Like, I don't want to be here. I was so glad when I left. I never wanted to come back. I can't believe that I'm here. Right. You know, and then his attitude towards his mother is very antagonistic. Whereas Rom, very loving, very, you know, uh, again, she can do no wrong. He's all about, like, he's serving dinner when Quark points out that that's, their mother's job
1: right um and she he doesn't have a pre- problem with the way that she didn't the... soften the food for them or yeah. pre-chew it as it turns out
0: <laughs> rom doesn't have any problem with that but quark is offended that yeah. she didn't do it and that she's not tending to them you know so um it's interesting to watch that little bit of the fan- the family dynamic but um obviously the greater notes here of the episode is all about the misogyny in ferengi culture and how Quark for all of his dealings with people in Starfleet and other cultures and everything else, he hasn't absorbed or any of any of the other cultural, you know, exchange I guess you would expect from a man living on a bar that serves so many different aliens yeah. and lives in close proximity to humans. Right. And in the future, obviously, we don't treat women that way. We don't view yeah. women in such. Uh, subjugated roles. We're not supposed to do that now. And I feel like we're working towards it, you know, but uh, obviously in the, in the 24th century, we're supposed to be, you know, we've perfected this by now. So yeah.
1: Yeah. Actually on that point, um, it does come off, or at least it seems like when Cisco is talking with this freighter captain woman and they hear a crash on the ship and she goes to fix it and he says, I can come help or something. And she's like, I got it. I got it. Um, in that moment, it seemed to be kind of an in-episode comment. Excuse me, in-episode commentary on human versus Ferengi culture. Like, uh, even, well, I mean, like, she's a woman. She's her own cat. She's a captain of her own ship. She can handle herself. Um, she doesn't need Cisco's help. I mean, Cisco was just trying to be nice. I don't think he was trying to say anything by it. But like, she was still kind yeah. of defensive. It sound- It seems like I-, I got it. I got it. I got it. Um, yeah.
0: I mean, I guess you could take that one of two ways. Like, I I took it as, yes, he wanted to... he was being polite and offering to help, but I also took it as he wanted to continue their interaction.
1: Oh yeah. He was for looking sure. for
0: a reason to keep talking to her. Yeah. Now. Yes. She does brush him off. You know, uh, I can handle it, whatever. And I mean, you could say that's just her trying to be, you know, in charge or whatever situation it was, but he didn't press, he didn't pry. I mean, he's a man in command. He understands, you know, your you know, your turf. turf, right. you know, that's your stuff, you know? Um, but, I, you know, she did turn around and offer the the coffee date afterwards. Right. So it wasn't like his offering to her was unappreciated in any way. Right. You know, but again, it does show the difference in the fact that you know Cisco was trying to um, be open and welcoming and and helpful right. versus what we see of Quark, who is constantly trying to shut his mother down right. and he's not wanting to listen to anything that she says in regards to. You know, how she got the profit, or how smart she is, or what she's capable of, or any of that stuff he doesn't care right um which i also I found a little interesting, I have to admit because in watching the episode, I couldn't help but think for people who are so interested in gaining profit, how you can have let's just assume half of your population not out there in the workforce, not making money is beyond me. Yeah. I, I, that doesn't make any sense to me. If you're, if that's what you're all about, why would you purposely keep people from being able to contribute to making yourselves right richer? Yeah. But,
1: that's actually a, a great point for actually why American culture in particular is the way it is. Uh, for example, one reason that wages haven't gone up in a long time is the idea that when women have entered the workforce, those wages went to the women, basically. So the companies doubled their workforce. but also meant that individual uh, employees didn't necessarily get paid more, but also meant that uh, cu- couples started having to depend on two incomes um, because it wasn't like just the man making out more on his own income. He, they were depending on both incomes to, to increase their overall wealth. Or at least as culture, you know, as inflation went up, it was the couple the income from the couple that, uh, overcomes that, or at least in, uh, you get you know what I'm saying? Anyway. Yeah. Um,
0: so once the, once the man and woman got to, got together, got married, then the right. two dual incomes would offset the potential right. loss. And one sucks of the sucks
1: for you if you're single.
0: Yeah, I guess. that's exactly <laughs> it.
1: But there is another problem. This is actually something, um, that most people don't think about, but there's the problem of if one of them loses their job, but they were depending on two incomes for their lifestyle, then they're actually in some trouble because let's say under the previous, like if you were having one person work, but everyone was relying on that. Well, if that one person is incapacitated and like, you know, the woman starts working well, she can, if, if you're trying to make a certain amount of money and he's here and all she has to do is make it to here to depend on the cult. Like if she has to mm-hmm. get a job, but only has to come to here. Whereas under the two income problem, if you have two incomes, and you lose one, you're at half of your previous amount. So actually, it's in some ways um, there are there are consequences to that uh, new way that our culture now has uh, two incomes in with families. Uh, I mean that's just the way it is. I mean every every way thing is every every policy has our ramifications and consequences, <clears throat> and this is one of them. Is that uh, losing your job is in some ways actually a little bit harder on a family than it was before
0: but yeah Yeah, i mean i would i would totally agree with that and i mean as a you know single income household myself i mean me being incapacitated for any particular reason is you know potentially um you know devastating or upsetting at the very least to the household if i can't work for a prolonged period of time where for whatever reason that is i mean that's gonna throw Everything out of whack, and then it's not just me that's suffering, right? My kid, as well, who is a hundred percent dependent upon me to provide. It's not like you know she's older and can, you know, has her own place and can go and get a job or anything like that. If I'm out, she's out, like, right. Period. So, right. yeah, um, yeah, awful. So, <laughs> but still, uh, to go back to Trek, I, I again, I was watching the stuff, and like, another thing that stuck out to me was that they did not want Ishka wearing clothes, right? Yeah. And so again, I don't I don't know why, but like I immediately started thinking finances on this too. And I was like, so wait a minute. You got a whole again, let's just assume half of your population and they're not wearing clothes. You have a whole market right there <laughs> for selling clothes <laughs> to these people. Yeah. Like I mean you're you're if you are in clothes and design, your business could double overnight if yeah. you started selling clothes to women. You know, like just I, I it, like again, I kept watching. It. I was like, I don't, I don't know why. What, there's not a single foreign you didn't look at this and be like, yeah, so close to women. Yeah. Why not?
1: Well, it actually brings up a great point. Where did she get her dress for this episode?
0: It's true. That's not I a mean, male
1: outfit. It would seem right. that was I mean, I feminine. Guess we could, <laughs> right.
0: And so then, I mean, if if and if women never wear clothes, where does she get the fashion sense? Yeah to make it into some kind of flowy dressing. So, I mean, we uh, it's a great question because we don't know. I mean, we could just assume that maybe she just took a, a blanket that she had at home yeah. and turned it into a clothing style and was wearing it. Right. But, um, or maybe sometime in the ancient Ferengi past, women used to wear clothes and she just kind of brought back an old idea. Right. But I mean, I would also assume that if she had never wore clothes before and was determined to wear clothes and made the clothes, wouldn't she have patterned said clothes off of what clothes she had available, which would have been male clothing. Cause her children growing up in the home, that's what they would have had. Right. So but again, some entrepreneurs somewhere didn't see this and say, <laughs> I, I, "There's a whole market out there that we're not exploiting." And from what we've learned of the Ferengi, exploitation is their bag, man. Even they, black they markets, can, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, they just love exploiting people for anything. Yeah. So, um,
1: gold, press, Latinum, baby, who? <laughs> yeah.
0: So I mean, so and of course I, we have to comment on brunt from the fca he's a great character for the few moments that we have him you know the shock and outrage of ishka speaking to him right of clothed female speaking to him right it was unconscionable and then when she finally signed (laughs) the confession and he's leaving and he says i sincerely hope i never see any of you Ever, ever again, yeah. and then laughs and walks out. Yeah, I loved it. I was like, <laughs> "Man, this guy, this guy is great." Yeah. Um. Again, mild spoiler for David, but I would let you know we do see Brunt again. I so... I looked at
1: the actor and it said he comes back, so I I'm, I expect to see him again. Uh, well,
0: uh, that's nothing because the actor is none other than the the immeasurably talented Jeffrey Combs, and yes, he he comes back, but it should be noted that how he comes back could be anything because yes, Star Trek loves Jeffrey Combs. He has been, he, he's been more aliens than almost anyone else. <laughs> I think, um, I think there's one other character that's been more aliens than him. Uh, and he's the same alien, the guy that played, uh, Dr. Mora, the alien who, discovered yeah, I was going to say we had... discovered Odo.
1: yeah, yeah. I was going to say with that, that actor had played a lot too. It seems like, the, um, so I guess at least there are two. And then there's the guy who ends up becoming, what's his face on Voyager, the the Vulcan on Voyager. Um, Tim Russ. Yeah.
0: But no, I mean, Tim Russ has been on, on Trek a few times, but no one has been more aliens than Jeffrey Combs and, uh, what's his name? Robert Sloan? Sloan? I think that's his name. Um, he's the one who played... Uh, again, Doctor Mora. He played an older Alexander from an alternate timeline on Next right. Generation. He played Admiral Jerroch on Next Generation. Um, he he's played a, a Vulcan a few times. The man, he's he's just been there. Right. He's done it. So, yeah. but I think Jeffrey Combs might have beat him out <laughs> with his with his run on Deep Space Nine. Okay. So we'll see. We'll
1: keep an eye out for him.
0: Yes. And if and if Jorak comes back as anything, too, we'll keep an eye out for that, too. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Jeffrey Combs is a great actor. We love him on Star Trek. In fact, that's one of the running jokes is that they're going to do a new Star Trek show, and it, and they list, like, all these different characters, and then it's, like, played by Jeffrey Combs, Jeffrey Combs, Jeffrey Combs, Jeffrey Combs, Jeffrey Combs, Jeffrey Combs, Jeffrey Combs. like, the whole way through. So it will be great, you know, because he's yeah. just done many. Oh, and I can't believe I forgot, he was Shran on Enterprise. Jeffrey Combs was Shran, the... the uh militaristic and Dorian. Great role, by the way. I mean, he he was fantastic as shred every time you saw him. So um yeah. Uh okay. great guy. <laughs> All you know, right. I, I'd, like, I'd like to see him in some new in some new trek too, if he ever gets the chance. So uh yeah. Gotcha. But now of course, before everything ends, we have to turn our attention to the secondary storyline, which is the Ciscos. It's our favorite. We get a little bit of a continuation from yeah. last week into this one because, Jake again, as David back. said, yeah, yes, Jake, on the last episode, which was Explorers, Jake was all about his father meeting someone because he didn't want his dad to be alone. And he's got this freighter captain in mind that he wants him to meet and now here we come next the next episode and she's here she's in town basically (laughs) and he wants to capitalize on this and make sure that ben meets this freighter captain who we learn is captain uh, captain cassidy yates played by uh penny johnson penny johnson gerald now but then she was just penny johnson and um they seem to hit it off. Would you say? Would you Would you think after watching Ben and Cassie together, do you think they hit it off?
1: So I would say that when he first meets her in the like loading dock, um,
0: the cargo bay. Cargo, mm-hmm. There you
1: go. There's a word for that. <laughs> um, it was It was good. There's that whole scene where like she's like, "Oh, I got it." You know, you know, you're a man. You don't have to let me. You know, anyway. And then when they're when they're drinking their genos and everything. You can tell that you know, she is distracted because she says that, oh, it turns out I have a private engagement. I'm about to listen to my brother's recording. And then she mentions you know, sliding into second. He like tore some tendons for sliding into second, and that cues Cisco in. Oh, I know what that means. and So, yes, the real question is, are they only connecting at this point because of baseball? Because that's a great thing to have in common, but are they going to have more in common? Are they going to be able to truly – make a relationship so i say there's potential um i would say it's not quite as you know jake was hoping or was 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 going like oh yeah this is a sure thing i don't think it's quite a sure thing yet but i got hope for it so um i'd say that's a great
0: i think it's a good analysis of their first i mean their first official whatever because they were for coffee right you know and um yeah she was she was distracted and she didn't seem to really be interested in talking with him and and then of course he lit up when she did mention you know baseball and listen to the game and everything else and I mean they shared the laugh at the end but it seems like she's as into it well or not, maybe not as into it as he is but she at least has an interest that she's willing to listen to the games right? and she knows certain things about their structure of play it's different than if she just had like a passing interest or was just doing it because it was a family member that was involved. She right. knew about that they didn't have a designated hitter rule. She knew that they weren't going that they were using wood bats, not, you know, aluminum. Um, she could tell she knew about the teams and how many they had, how they were trying to organize some more. So she's obviously quite involved for someone who's not playing and is and also not in the area. Right. So she clearly keeps in contact with her brother and she remembers the things that he's saying. So she does seem to have some interest. Right in it. And then she's also willing to listen to the game um, uh, herself. She was going to listen to the game Regardless of Cisco's interest or coming along, right? That just was an added bonus. Right. So I mean, at first I thought that okay, I mean, he like again, he really lit up at the baseball thing, but she seemed to relax more once um, he expressed interest in baseball, and now it gave her a way to go and do this thing that she had already been planning to do. Right. So I was I, I liked that transition for him. Didn't like at the end how Jake rocking one of his nineteen uh, seventies. Bus pass official shirts was hovering above them. You
1: didn't like on that? the
0: promenade. I I didn't like it. I was like, "Why are you spying on your part Like I <laughs> I like I get being interested to know how the date went, but you're literally watching them and like we don't know how long you've been standing there. Yeah, you could have been there the whole time while they were sitting and and having coffee. Yeah, creeper creeper son watching his dad like it just it it bothered me a little bit to see him stand there and now i kind of get it because it's like this is the woman that jake picked for his dad and he wants it to work and seeing them laugh and whatever else just kind of you know made him happy but uh no go home you wait for your dad to come home and
1: tell you how. and
0: if he's feeling generous right he'll tell you how it went right don't be creeping and hovering above him i mean Let's swap the roles there a little bit. I mean, how? <laughs> what invasion of privacy would that be for his dad to have been standing there watching him while he was on a date? You yeah. know, We would have been like, dude,
1: the only, don't you have
0: a station to run? Like, only, Go away. The
1: only forgiving grace in either version of that scenario is the whole idea that Jake was the one who suggested this little pair up. So he kind of gets away with it because he was just checking in on his matchmaking well. ability. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I well I think that everybody kind of overlooks it And he gets away with it because it's the kid Doing it for the father Right. If the role was reversed we would not be as forgiving But because Well but my point though is, is
1: that if the dad had said Hey there's a girl I think that you should meet And then Jake goes on a date And then we see Cisco is checking in I think that'd be I'd, I'd give it a pass but yeah you're... If, if he hadn't had nothing to do with it Oh yeah it'd be creeping for sure <laughs> yeah, Well still
0: I found it a little bit bothersome I guess I was watching it and going You know what if I turned around and saw my daughter you know w- watching <laughs> me <back> <laughs> i would be yeah i would be freaked out i'd be like go home like right like, why are you here
1: yeah, yeah well i think would too be, though by the way good. by the way that jake was describing her as how wonderful she is and everyone on the station apparently was informed uh in fact like there's that scene we kind not really mentioned um yeah. O'Brien and Bashir and, uh, and Odo, Odo are outside of Quark's bar trying to break in because they want the dartboard. And when Cisco checks in, he says, I'm going to go be in Docking Bay. And O'Brien says, yeah, four. And he's like, four? What? What's, what's four? Yeah. Like, oh, I thought you were going to go visit the freighter captain lady. And Cisco's like, who hasn't been told about this woman? Who is was Jake
0: told and, about this, and Bashir just, Bashir immediately rats him out. He's like, oh, ah, well, O'Brien told me." Yes, yes, that you was know, the
1: it's best. Right. Oh, they that's right. Like, and O'Brien's look to him of like, like "I'm gonna murder you,", you. Son of a-
0: right. <laughs> You son of a bitch. You sold me out. Like, <laughs> that was, like, the that was exactly the look. And then Odo's just looking, like, all uncomfortable and, yeah. you know, just like, uh, get, let's, let's get back to the and lock. Then
1: all three right? of them look at the just, lock. They get, yeah, the again right into it. Yeah.
0: Intensely interested in the lock <laughs> again. It was, it was great. It was, a, uh, it was a great, uh, yeah. moment. And then, of yeah. course, we O'Brien's have the-
1: look of murder was just the best, yeah uh, uh.
0: Anyway, going, and then of course we have Dax. You know, earlier on she was just so into it. Have you met her yet? Yeah. Have you seen her yet? You know, if just I were uh, still Curzon, all about it. I mean. <laughs> yeah, if, if if curse if I was still Curzon I would have stolen her from you already. I was like, wow, That's wow. Okay, so right, like no no honor. Like you know what your friends have been through. PTSD, lost his wife, and you're still gonna try to steal the girl. You're not a friend. You're a jerk. All right. That's what we just learned. Curzon's a jerk. Yeah. Got it. I
1: think we've already learned that, but he was like the best kind of jerk. And, <laughs> and I always
0: wonder, whenever they make these references to Curzon, I always wonder, like, what version of Curzon are we talking about here? Are we Are we talking about young Curzon or old Curzon? Because, I mean, there's this, I don't know why, but in my head, there's always kind of this assumption that it's the older Curzon, because, you know, um... When when Ben talks about him, he talks about Curzon, remembering him as like a father figure. Yeah. So he's he was definitely an older man to Cisco. Right. So it's just like, um, who are you stealing who from? Yeah. I'm I'm picturing you, even at your most you know vivacious, you're right. still probably what sixty.
1: Yeah. I always who, take, who take those as stealing? as braggadocio. Like he's he's exaggerating how smooth he'd be. Yeah, it's Curzon would have walked in there and stolen her already. No, he would have been that flirtatious older guy who every woman always loves to be teased by. Oh, you're just being a tease. You know, that's how it would Ugh. have gone. But at the same time, like, he still had that charm, probably. Uh, that young man, you know, stealing women left and right probably did happen, but at that point, he's just the old man who...
0: Has great stories.
1: Great stories and who uh, is a bit of a... I'm trying to find the right word, but yeah, he he's he's always flirtatious with the younger ladies. <laughs> that's the right. That's how I imagine him.
0: Well, so again, even if that's even if that's correct, it's like yeah, Curzon's not stealing anybody, <laughs> not at all. So, right. um, but I also have to say, I think I liked Cassidy overall. Didn't like the hairstyle. I don't know what what that was.
1: Yeah, I agree. There. Wrapped
0: halfway around her head, but um, overall, I liked her. I think that, like you said, there's good potential there. Um, we need to we need to see Ben go on more dates. Period. You right. know he hasn't he hasn't done that. I mean, again, we talked about this last episode, I believe. The last person he was with was um, Fena, the astral projection. Right. So really, he hasn't been on an actual date, at least not in our universe. We didn't mention he in the mirror universe. He got both Dax and Intendant Kira, but and uh, his wife you know,
1: on one go <laughs> and his wife.
0: Yes, the man was. The man wasn't, he wasn't working. He yeah. was working it. Curse on would have had no
1: <laughs> chance. <laughs> yeah,
0: man. That's how they get down. It's amazing he's a commander.
1: Yeah. I will say, part of me, like, the idea that Cisco would be with a freighter captain, like, I, I think she's got potential. But part of me wants him to have someone who could be committed to him, like, on the station, who isn't going to always be off running errands, you know, running jobs. Like, yeah, I just want someone who, like he's on the station she's on the station they they their relationship builds again if Mm -hmm. if this relationship does go anywhere um that course will have to be worked out i mean we know what you know that the O'Briens are already having to work similar through similar problems um and then that both dax and Bashir have a very pessimistic view of relationships uh saying that it's just not really something you can do in the federation
0: um yeah they're they're talking about it from that point standpoint of being career officers and how difficult it is, mm-hmm. which i would i would agree with them in the way that and especially the way that they phrase it and um I like the aspect of Cassidy having her own thing outside of all of that right because if she was another Starfleet officer, then you know they would have all kinds of you know conflicts about right you know orders and postings and you know is he her command even if he's not directly in her chain of command he's still a commanding officer would she also be a commanding officer would she be a higher rank than him would she be a lower rank like all that stuff would have to be perfectly sorted out and balanced but by her not being attached to starfleet like that it frees them up from really having to do that and it gives us another glimpse of what culture is like for people in the federation right she is a federation citizen she's working as an independent um you know i guess independent contractor freighter freighter captain right you know she takes jobs through um another uh another race another agency basically but i mean it's always kind of assumed that most people on earth work for the federation in some capacity right so to see humans not working for the Federation, working for another group, whatever. Interesting to see. Right. And, um, I mean, I get, I appreciate those, those little tidbits of world building that makes things just a little bit wider for us. Right. And, you know, broadens our focus a bit. I, I, so I like seeing things like that. And I think this gives us that. So I like that too.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It makes sense. Well, final thoughts on this episode.
1: Uh, it's a, Direct glimpse into Frangi culture. We've had a number of glimpses into Ferengi culture, particularly with the Grand Nagus, but this one is directly into the, I guess, Frangi homeworld. Is there a name for the Ferengi homeworld? Is it titled something? Ferenginar. Okay, so we, we get to go to Ferenginar for the first time. It's one of those episodes that, like, it builds the the show by investing in the characters' lives. You know, we're not getting the big, you know, battle scene uh, we're not getting you know we're not going to the fighting the Dominion, some of the more action-packed fun episodes, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, the whole <laughs> meeting the quirk or the the quirk's mom and the Ferengi women and how they get treated is, yeah, culture shock. Woo.
0: <laughs> and you know they've always said that the Ferengi were a bit of a you know uh, I guess a mirror for early humans and and how we are and, and it was supposed to be a, a way for us to um view ourselves not just treatment of others but also obviously the treatment of women historically mm-hmm. on our planet i mean we are we can point to them and say okay well at least we're not that bad but at the same time you know this is a you know it's a parody so right. we still have a ways to go towards treating all people equally and there are some particular groups that obviously have Uh, greater more intensified struggles than others and it doesn't mean that the others aren't important but there are certain things you need to address and I think this episode kind of is is in a roundabout way trying to tell us that but at the same time it's like here's a woman who has found a way to work a system that is clearly against her right? and she has made it work for her and in return it's made it work for her family right? so um but again, we will see more of Ishka and we will hear more of these things in future episodes. Um we're getting there. We're getting there, you gotcha. know. And uh we're closing down on season three. We've got what? Two episodes left.
1: I think there are twenty six in this season, so if that's and true. Wasn't that the twenty fourth? No, twenty third. No, no, twenty third. Okay. So we got uh three more left in this season. Okay. So yeah, we're uh we're getting there. Like I there. said, we're, more. we're almost to the halfway point after this. Yeah, there's three more. We got the Shakar, Facets, and the Adversary as the last.
0: Shakar is next? Yeah. Shakar is next? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a great great episode.
1: I can't <laughs> wait. Man. Kaiwen yes. is back, you know, what
0: about. <laughs> Yes, I know. Kaiwen is back. So <laughs> great stuff. <laughs> I can't wait so lots of lots of my child oh, in our future oh, lots of my child oh. in our future so Well, with all that said, guys, I just want to say you can find us and follow us anywhere that you have your various social medias. Again, we've mentioned Twitter, we've mentioned Facebook. Of course, we've mentioned that we're on YouTube where you can find all of our videos and you can listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. I happen to do it on Spotify. You can find all of these things all under the same name, which is, of course, The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. But until next week and Shakar... Take care of yourselves.
1: Thanks, guys.